going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Usually things on the news front start slowing down a couple of weeks before Christmas, but definitely not the case this year. The province has taken a step in supporting the BMO Centre expansion, while the feds are offering up $1.6 billion in help for the energy industry, but not everyone's impressed with that one. That, and we'll talk Santa School here in Calgary. We had to lighten things up a little bit. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. Let's get right into it. As mentioned, the province is stepping up, extending the CRL for the Calgary Rivers District, which includes uh, Victoria Park. Now, this is all will help, will go towards helping fund that half billion dollar BMO Center expansion, plus other upgrades in Vic Park, very similar to what you saw in East Village. Joining us now from the Calgary Municipal Land Corporation is Michael Brown. Michael, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about today's announcement first. And what does it mean to uh, the city of Calgary? What does it mean to the CMLC? And what does it mean for that development as a whole? So, you know, first off, for the last couple of years, we've been working with the community and a bunch of stakeholders and developing a vision for Calgary's Cultural and Entertainment Centre, which, you know, oftentimes we refer to as Victoria Park. Uh, it was the logical place for CMLC to move to after some of the successes that we've had in East Village. Uh, so we started talking about it a couple of years ago, and you know, I'd say we have a, a fairly strong plan, and you know, we've we've presented our plan to the community and you know, wherever we can, and it's been really well received. But one of the question marks has always been in terms of well, how are you going to finance this plan? How are you going to support the plan? Specifically, how are you going to support some of the catalytic projects uh, that need to be developed in the area? And so one of those was the BMO Centre and their expansion. And we we felt that that in order to get going with the Cultural Entertainment Hub, we needed to have, uh, you know, a larger product in terms of the the BMO Centre. So what today's announcement really does is, uh, you know, drives home one, we have a a bit of uh, an access to some dollars for financing which allows us to bring on board some additional private dollars uh, through land sales and also through other partnerships. And it uh, solidifies one of our catalysts in terms of that it will go forward in the form of the BMO Convention Center. What does this uh, community revitalization levy mean to sort of spur the development in uh, East Village? And or what is it meant for the East Village? And what does it yeah. mean for uh, the that area that is going to be home of the BMO Center and potentially an event center? Well, you know, East Village and, and you know, Victoria Park, are, they have uh, they have some similar similar history in the fact that it's, it's part of our community that's been overlooked for a while. It's an area that's been studied to death. Uh, you know, we, we, we're very good at studying things, as most cities are, um, and are essentially re- restricted in terms of their connectivity to the other parts of the community. So in East Village, uh, what we're able to do is use the CRL to fund uh, the, the improvements that you saw in Riverwalk, uh, some deal with some of the, the floodproofing issues that we had in East Village, uh, build a, a bridge in terms of St. Patrick's on the bridge or George C. King Bridge and the underpass of Forest Street so that we could deal with some of those challenges of the community. And then most importantly, we could demonstrate to developers, and some of the developers have come in as like Boson, Sidex, and 
you know, others, uh, real can uh, say, hey, this is our commitment to this vision. We're going to put uh, some of the city's dollars in with the idea that you're going to make an investment too. Victoria Park has a similar elements to it. It's got the same restrictions. So that's when we need, uh, we need a 5th Street underpass. We want to do a crossing at 17th Avenue, uh, so uh, southwest, so it connects into the grounds. We need to do some improvements to the streetscaping with the idea that that's going to attract investment as well. You segued really well into my next question, yeah. which was the, just the ability to be able to get in and out of that area. Because I know that's a bit of a sticking point for a lot of people is it's not overly accessible. It's not, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, one of the interesting things is we'll look at that area and say, well, why, you know, why hasn't it built out on its own? And, and the biggest reason it hasn't built on its own is its accessibility. And all we have to do is, you know, go to a hockey game. Um, and you're leaving, and you're like, oh, maybe I'll leave five minutes early if the game's uh, uh, gone away from me from the team uh, to get my car so I can get out of there sooner. That's not success. Uh, we need to have better connectivity, and it, you know, one of the things I think we oftentimes forget is is that the front door to the Calgary Stampede was 17th Avenue. It was the west side, uh, and then as a community, we built the C train along. You know, good reasons for it. But we essentially kind of restricted that whole area. And and if we're going to be successful, we have to break down some of those walls. How difficult is it to, I guess, fight for a vision, in a sense, for East Village and Victoria Park, that whole area, in the midst of all the talk about recession and the difficulties that our economy has been having? Well, you know, the, the when you're doing these big projects, they, they go over multiple cycles. So this is our second in the history of East Village, this is our second downturn. It's not our first. We, you know, we were impacted pretty negatively in 2007, and then we got the benefit of the ups, and then we're getting the challenges of the downs. So with any of these kind of communities, it's a 20-year vision, and you're going to have many, many, many ups and many downs, and you have to leverage it. I think the part that always, for me, is... Um, and I hear from Calgarians and I hear from others is that, you know, the desperate, you know, we need a vision for Calgary, we need a vision for tomorrow. And um, it was really important to us is that we put it that, you know, we were doing a lot of work on it, but it became, it became evident to me that, you know, we are developing a vision for the tomorrow. We are developing a vision for the future city. And, um, and with that comes great responsibility, but comes great opportunity. And I, my my greatest hope is is that, you know, Calgarians that are listening to this or, you know, seeing the work we're doing and say, okay, we are going the right way. We are going a track that's going to allow our city to compete both, you know, locally and globally. What do you see as maybe the, the next evolution or the next step in the process of sort of rebuilding that downtown uh, grid, I guess, if you want to call it yeah. that, because I mean, you go from East Village to Victoria Park, and then the next step would obviously be—I don't know if it's the Beltline or maybe moving over to Renfrew. Like, well, where do you where do you see as sort of the next evolution of this? So my dream, and you know, I, I think the Beltline's got some really fantastic things going on with it already. It's just we, you know, have to shine some light on it so that we can get excited about it. I see a huge opportunity for Eau Claire Market in that area there. Um, you know, it's a really untapped resource. I know it has a history. All these areas, they have a history of challenges, but they also have a history of some positive. And, um, you know, my dream of the downtown core is, is that we have these little jewels. And, you know, let's not overstate, the, you know, Victoria Park, East Village. It's really critical, but downtown is far more important in the grand scheme of things. And so if you create these little jewels, I think that'll have a benefit in downtown as a whole. You'll see... More and more people want to spend time in the inner city, in the core. Uh, and, and then the next step for us, really with that, the, you know, 
the center city or the downtown is we have to create opportunities for people to be here. Why would they want to actually stay in that space? It can't be just about office buildings. It has to be a story about all the other stuff, too. Is that something that maybe we lacked in the past as we built all these big towers? But, you know, as we see the vacancy rate, that kind of thing, is that there wasn't a big reason to stay behind after the fact? Yeah, and I think that's part of it. But I also think we're seeing the transition of the worker, um, you know, the person that wants to go to work and, you know, millennials and so forth is uh, their desires. You know, we built a, 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 with a, one of our partners, partners in Icebridge, they built a, a building that had no parking in it. That, you know, 20 years ago, that would have been like, there's no way that that's going to pull it off. And, and it was really in response to the next generation was saying, well, I don't have a car and frankly, I don't want a car. Now, that's not for everybody. But if you look at the core, uh, what we're seeing with that next generation is, is that, you know, they want to have those, they want to have activations. And it's not always just a restaurant space. It's, you know, it's something that's really cool that's taking place on the street and it's a feel to it. And it is when you look at our core, you know, it's it's great. And then we have a lot of office and we have a lot of square footage, but uh, we definitely have to bring a bit more soul to it. And I, I think that that's what these projects like Victoria Park and East Village and, as I say, with Eau Claire Market and others is that you're starting to bring a bit more soul to your downtown. And, and w- when you travel to a great city, which we all do, what you remember is that that soul, that feeling. You don't remember what the building looked like. You remember what it felt like. But what the building looked like, you remember what it felt like, and that's really important. The last question I have for you is yeah. buy-in from the private sector. What are you hearing on that side of things? Are you going to be able to create a hub with private sector? Are they interested in what you're selling? Yeah, that's always been a key piece. You know, we oftentimes, where we do a lot of our discussions is around more of the public sector. And the public sector is you know, really only one half of it. Uh, the private sector, first be successful, they have to be at the table. And we've had a lot of interest from the private sector, um, but the, what they've always said, and, you know, it's part of the challenge with these areas that have been studied to death is that you have to prove that you're not another study. And, and the way you do that is uh, getting some public dollars committed to it. Now we have that today, which is, that's actually what makes it such a huge win is, we demonstrate to the private sector the commitment of the government, and now it's the opportunity for the private sector to step up, and they will come. Uh, you know, they, they want to be part of these districts, too, because it's, it, it makes just good financial sense. This is where the community is going. Michael, I appreciate the time, as always. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks. Take care. Have a good day. We'll continue on this discussion next. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. If you build it, they will come. Remember that line from Field of Dreams? Sort of how I feel about the hopes and dreams around what is happening with the BMO Center, the event center, the whole idea around Victoria Park. Michael Brown from Calgary Municipal Land Corporation was our last guest. And one of the key takeaways I took away from that chat was the idea that you can study something until you're blue in the face, but until you actually build a plan, put it together, make it sound feasible, you're not going to be able to sell it to private sector. And as one texter did point out, is restaurants and bars can't be tacky. They can't be changed. We won't want to go to the same old places. It needs to be authentic, and it needs to be something that's Calgary. One of the things that I've I've noticed in going to different locations for different sporting events, that kind of thing, going to Montreal last month, uh, went to Arizona, and I know that the hockey rink is in uh, is in a not exactly the most handy spot 
in Glendale. But one of the things that I really liked about that Glendale arena is the fact that you can walk right out of the front doors and you've got a bar scene right in front of you. So if you can do something like that, not necessarily bars, but if you can create something where you are literally a hop, skip, and a jump away from your hotel or your restaurant of choice or you can go anywhere and everywhere you possibly want. And, and this is what I like about the the idea of having uh, your convention center, the, the BMO center right there as well is, hey, you know what? If you're at a convention all day and then all of a sudden you need to make a hop, skip and a jump to go see a Flames game or whatever the case may be going down at, at the new event center and then you're another hop, skip and a jump away from your hotel or going out with the buddies afterwards, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And as Michael pointed out, that's something that a lot of people are looking for. One of the other texts are saying Victoria Park does seem too far and there won't be parking, but we'll wait and see. Now, our texter said they found Fenway Park Entertainment District in Boston tacky and empty. So that'll be the challenge, I think, for the developers is finding that Calgary feel to whatever that happens to be. And the other aspect of it, and, and I know one of the big points of contention is always going to be par- uh, parking. And one of the things with West Village that I was sort of surprised by was there wasn't a whole lot of parking built there. And I get it. There's not probably going to be a lot there, but then you need a transit system that actually works. And as we all know, with stamps games in particular, trying to get around during a, after a stamps game isn't exactly that handy. So what are we going to do in the meantime to make sure that that works? And certainly it's going to help, hopefully, in the long term if we get uh, Southeast BRT and eventually the, the Green Line LRT will be a big boom for that area as well, especially if you've got a stop that you know stops right beside the event center or the BMO center. And then even beyond that is, as Michael was mentioning, is being able to have that connector between Victoria Park and the Beltline, 17th Ave in particular. Will it go underground, that LRT there? How is that all going to look? And so I I recommend you take a look at some of the drawings and the concepts behind it because it's something that, again, I'm of the belief that this is something that we should get behind because we do need some sort of entertainment district, something that we can hang our hat on when it comes to that. And this seems like a pretty logical step. But time will tell. The Scalger today on 770 CHQR. Federal Conservative leader Andrew Scheer says today's handout is nothing more than a desperate election year attempt to trick Western Canadians into thinking he cares. He's trying to save a handful of liberal seats. Nothing more. I know Canadians will see it for what it is. Is he right? To answer that question and much more, we welcome Mount Royal University Associate Professor of Political Science, Lori Williams, to the program. Lori, thanks for joining us this afternoon. We got you there, Lori? Yes, I'm here. Oh, perfect. There we go. Uh, first off, is Andrew Shear right? Is this just a desperate attempt to trick Western Canadians into thinking he cares? Well, I don't think it's as simple as that. Uh, I do think uh, this, combined with some of the other initiatives that have been brought forward by the federal government, uh, indicate that they're trying to take this situ- situation seriously. Um, they're trying to respond to it. 
they just don't seem to be pre very at least recently very decisive or clear on on what a solution would look like. Uh, I'm surprised it's taken this long for this initiative to come forward. Mm-hmm. It's 1.6 billion dollars in relief, but it's mostly in repayable debt. I mean, repayable uh, loans. What does that signal in terms of the political side of what's happening here? Well, I think it's an indication that that he's trying to, I mean, this avoids accusations of handouts, corporate welfare, that sort of thing. It looks like an investment, uh, using the tools available to government to invest in an industry that's struggling a little bit right now, uh, with an expectation that there will be a return on investment. And it's also meant to stimulate um, growth in certain sectors, particularly in innovation uh, and environmental initiatives, and as a result of that, to generate jobs. So um, this isn't simply a handout that that will probably be a, a, an easier thing to sell sort of across the country. But I think I think the message is coming through loud and clear, largely because of our premier that there's a there's a, a, a big impact from this industry on the Canadian economy. And, and so the federal government isn't simply looking for seats; they're looking, or at least not just seats in Alberta, they're looking for a solution that'll help the, the economy of the country. Do you get the sense as well that this might have something to do with trying to make sure that it at least appears on the surface that the federal government is trying to help the energy industry and that might be enough to maybe uh, silence some of the critics that might be coming out of Ontario and Quebec that maybe were a threat of maybe voting conservative in the next election? Well, I think, yeah, I think that the view here is a bit broader. They're looking to to provide a solution that has something that will appeal to um, Canadians. <clears throat> One thing that's really noteworthy about this is that it looks very much like the kinds of, of um, support that we've seen in other parts of the country. So it, it almost directly mirrors policies or, or programs that have been um, brought into place in other parts of the country. Kind of a GM or Bombardier kind right. of idea. So the idea is that they're, they're trying to be fair, they're trying to be even, they're trying um, to be consistent. And um, with all of that known, though, again, I'm, I'm just puzzled that it's taken this long. I mean, if they, they've already got the blueprint for doing this, if they know there's an issue, if they know that there's increasing discontent in Alberta, they could have brought this out some weeks ago and forestalled some of the some of the discontent that rise that that sort of wave of discontent that's just sort of been uh, moving across Alberta. The premier has also been uh, a little uh, concerned, I guess, about what this all entails, and she says it appears that the feds haven't been listening to the province at all. What do you take away from what the premier said today? Well, she's not getting the answer she wants. That's for certain. Um, she wants the uh, federal government to invest in. Um, something that will help transport uh, oil by rail, and the federal government seems quite reluctant to do that. I, I was sort of thinking that they could do a win-win if they got more locomotives, uh, which could be used to transport any goods across the country. Um, I'm surprised that he isn't sort of prioritizing these shipments because of the economic benefits it would generate for the entire country. Um, but I'm guessing that he is... Uh, a little bit leery, a little bit careful about investing, at least investing too much money <clears throat> in something that could look like it is environmentally risky. Does this really answer anyone's questions when it comes to an actual vision, I guess, for Canada's energy industry? Well, there's, there's of course, this, this limbo that we're in currently waiting for the federal government's response to the Court of Appeal decision with respect to the Trans Mountain pipeline. 
And there are two elements of that. One is the Environmental Review Species at Risk Act and so forth, um, which I actually expect will be, will, will be wrapping up you know, fairly shortly, certainly before the next election here in Alberta and definitely before the, the federal election. The more difficult part of that, uh, and one, uh, something upon which a timeline can't be imposed, is the consultation with First Nations. Um, so that's the one that's going to take a bit longer. Rachel Notley recognizes that it, it will and must take a little bit longer. Um, but I think also uh, a lot of Albertans are looking for some kind of adjustment, if you like, on, on Bill C-69. And that will probably come in the form of the regulations, which we don't know about yet. And again, the Alberta government, amongst others, has been advocating very strongly for um, regulations that will make it um, you know, reasonably possible to get approval for projects and guarantee the stability of, an investment, of investments, particularly in this industry going forward. You segued well into my next question, which was there, there's obviously one big elephant in the room still that this federal government hasn't really talked a whole lot about, which is Bill C-69. What kind of political waters is the federal are the federal liberals going through right now, or will they have to uh, deal with in the not-too-distant future with this bill? Yeah, well, there, there are a number of different, different demands that are coming out. Um, this and Bill C-48, um, you know, people like Jason Kenney are, are arguing for them to be utterly scrapped, and I um, that just doesn't seem to me to make a lot of sense, particularly in the case of Bill C-69. The concerns that most people in the oil industry, the energy industry broadly, are concerned about um, can be addressed just by having regulations that set things up in such a way as, as to allow um, approval to, to uh, move forward in a timely and yet environmentally responsible way. And that's what Rachel Notley is focusing on. Um, so I think there's there's still a fair bit of room there, and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of the the adjustments, the negotiations. But it's quite clear that a lot of Albertans are um, voicing their concerns, and I I would expect the federal government, in the interest of their their future, both on the environmental and the energy side, are going to take those concerns seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but the, uh, the um, tanker traffic bill, I think, has got bigger problems associated with it, and. Um, Again, I suppose something could be done to change the actual le- legislation, but I don't think that can be fixed simply by regulation. Mm-hmm. Mount Royal University's Lori Williams, appreciate the time as always. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's about 416 here on Calgary today. Before we go to break, just wanted to give you my thoughts on this. It feels nothing like any kind of plan. That's that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, we we're going to throw money at it, but where's the fix for pipelines? Where's the fix for the things that the industry wants? And I agree with a lot of what uh, the industry is saying is, hey, we're not looking for a handout. We're looking for a hand up, like help us out in terms of easing the burden when it comes to the red tape, when it comes to the issues that are getting in the way of Trans Mountain, because all this is, is, hey, help us out with the next election. And I tend to agree with Andrew Shear on this one is that I think Albertans are going to, to see through that. The challenge is the headlines tomorrow in Ontario and Quebec are going to read $1.6 billion to the energy industry. And that's probably going to look like a lot of money to them. And they're probably going to go, hey, why are you complaining, Alberta? This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. With every mall, you have a mall Santa. 
And it takes a certain someone to be able to deal with the kids and deal with the parents and the pictures and do it for all kinds of amount of time. But did you know that there's some training that goes along with it? The Dean of Santa School here in Calgary is Jennifer Andrews. She joins us now on the program. Jennifer, thanks so much for the time today. Hey, thanks for having me. Is there actually an art form to being a Santa Claus? Oh, yeah, there's a huge art form to being Santa Claus. You know, I always um, talk to people who think it's pretty amazing that we have a Santa school, and it is amazing. Um, but any anything done well requires, you know, some special attention to detail and some uh, information that should be learned <laughs> before they get into the situation. So, uh, yeah, that's that's why we have Santa school. It's got to be more than just a beard, doesn't it? Way more. I always say it's way more than just jamming on a beard and a red suit. Um, a lot of a lot of the gentlemen that come out of Santa School um, tell me that they, you know, have been making Santa appearances for many years before before actually coming to Santa School. But um, realizing coming out of Santa School that really they were just a guy in a red suit who was having a fun time. Um, but when they left Santa School, they really felt like they were equipped and ready to go and to really deliver magic. One of the things that I always said as a manager here at the radio station was I'd rather have somebody with 100% good attitude and 80% talent than somebody with 100% talent and 80% good attitude. I get the sense that when you're dealing in a high-profile job like being a Santa Claus, you have to have that really good attitude 100% of the time. You're 100% correct. Uh, you know, And I think that um, in any capacity, that's just key and it's even more you know more key with santa um one of the things you know people want to know and and children often want to know well why is there santa school you know if santa is real why does santa school exist and the reason that i have for that and actually we've just written a children's book about it that will be published in the next few months so for next season is all about um why why that exists so why it does exist is because santa himself appointed me to be his dean of Santa School because he obviously can't be everywhere all of the time. Mm -hmm. And so we choose his best regional representatives and we train them to be as much like Santa as possible. But key to that and included in the story is the fact that it does need to start with the right attitude and the right heart and the right mindset. And from there, we can teach them things that make it magical, but definitely the sparkle has to come from within. How do you manage to avoid the bad Santa situation? And I'm referencing the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's pretty easy to, to spot those Yeah, guys. that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we really try to avoid those guys at all costs. And, and you know, um, people, people decide that they're going to help Santa by being one of his re regional representatives for different reasons. Everybody has a different background story mm. to what makes them want to be Santa and so we definitely vet that out and and make sure that we've got the guys who are doing it for the right reasons. Something that I've learned through the course of the last day is a Santa school right here in Calgary and the dean is Jennifer Andrews. Jennifer thank you so much for the time and the insight today. Thanks for having us. I will put in a good word with Santa for you. Oh wonderful. I need every good word I can possibly get. Some people would say anyways given some of the responses to some of the things I've talked about recently. Come on Santa. Really want that extra lottery win. That'd be great. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.